for our sermon today, we have a sermon by Mr. Um, Steve Andrews entitled Daniel, Part 1. Well, greetings all. When I was a young man a few years ago, I remember sitting in, well, it wasn't sitting, it was actually swinging. We had a hammock at my house, and on those really nice days, I'd get out there, and I'd swing in that hammock and really enjoy the, the weather. I really did like that. I think my dad had brought it over from some foreign country somewhere. We had it around for very a lot of years. I think we, my sister and I probably wore it out, uh, swinging in it over the years. But one of the things that I remember doing in that hammock was reading the key to the book of Revelation. And I was so enamored by the things that were in there. But I was only like 14, 15, 16 years old. And so you know, it kind of went over my head. But the ideas and the things that were brought out in there and all of the things that are in that, that were in that booklet was, was so fascinating, even for a young man. And so down through the years, and I, I know a lot of us have done the same thing, we've gone through many of the different prophecies over the, over the time. The book of Revelation, Ezekiel, and, 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 and some of it we haven't, you know, in church, but we do it at home. I've, I've been through probably everyone at one time or another in my life, gone through them and read them, tried to understand the prophetic backgrounds and tried to understand the, the time that we live in and the times that we're, we're faced with based on the prophecies that are, are being put forth in those particular books. And so I keep coming back to a book that I really like and I, I really... And I don't know why I gravitate to it, because all of the prophetic books are, are, are for us. We are that generation that needs to understand what is going on in the world that we live in. What's happening, what's going on, and prophetically, what, where we are, what we are um, prophetically s situated in. So we, we always want to, to look at those. We, we have Jesus' words, we have the book of Revelation. We have things that are even prophesied beyond into the kingdom of God. So we, we have a, a panorama of different things that we can search and look at prophetically wise. But, but it's interesting in the book of Daniel, it's almost like the starting gun, the starting gate. Because we find Babylon, which was... Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom in the book of Revelation. Babylon the Great has been, has fallen. It's fallen. And so we think, well, Babylon, we read the book of Revelation if we don't know who Babylon was and we don't know who ruled Babylon and we don't know why, then we might not really understand the prophetic significance of it. And the fact that maybe the Babylonian mystery religions have come down through the ages and, 
and been hidden to some degree. There was a prophecy that was given about the first part of this book. And, and you find it in 2 Kings. And that's, I don't have a whole lot of other scriptures. These are only, there's only a couple. We're going to focus mostly on the book of Daniel. And hopefully, maybe, uh, I'm not sure how far I'll get through this. I guess I better find 2 Kings first. Uh, 2 Kings, the 20th chapter, and just a few verses here. As an introduction, at that time, I'm just breaking into the thought, breaking into this. Uh, this is Isaiah and talking to, to Hezekiah. At ta- that time, be Radak. Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened to them and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasure. There was nothing in his house nor in his dominion that Hezekiah... Uh, showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet to King Hezekiah and said to him, What said these men, and from where came they to you? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. And, you know, he just accepted. And he said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, All these things that are in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah already knew what he was going to say because he already knew exactly what what had happened. Behold the days come that all that is in your house and that which is your father's have laid up in the store, to this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, said the Lord. And of your sons that shall issue from you, which you shall father, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. This prophecy, Hezekiah ruled from 715 to 686 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar, Rule from 605 to 562 B.C., many years later. We're going to read here, we'll go back to Daniel here, and we'll look at what it says in the first few verses here of Daniel, so we'll get the Daniel perspective of this. In the third year, verse 1 of chapter 1, in the third year of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar and the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure of the house of his God. And I forgot to bring something up here, so I'm going to get that real quick. Just hold. Can I walk back there without uh, buzzing it? Okay. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. I forgot my... By the way, one of the 
interesting books that I found, and I can't even remember where I found it. I think it may have been in Barnes & Noble, uh, possibly. Probably on the bargain table. Because who wants a book? Who's who in the Bible? But this is by Philip Comfort and Walter E. Ewell. And I found this extremely valuable, not over the Bible, but just so that you get a perspective, so that you know what the time frame is. Sometimes we don't understand the time frames that we're talking about, or don't understand who all of the players are in a prophetic book, or in the, any book that we're looking at. Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, who captured and destroyed Jerusalem in 586 B.C., he was a son of Nebuchadnezzar, I don't even know if I even pronounce that right, and foremost ruler of Neo-Babylonian Empire, 612 to 539 B.C. His name is ultimately spelled Nebuchadrezzar, Nebuchadrezzar in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Nebuchadnezzar states that he conquered all of Hatti country, which is a term used for all Palestine and Syria, including Judah. Jehoiakim had been made king of Judah by Pharaoh Necho. So, so we could get a perspective. If we, let's say we want to jump into a book like we are in Daniel. And we're not quite sure exactly where, you know, where's this fit in history and who's the players and all that. So a book like this sometimes really does help. And it kind of puts your, yourself into the perspective of what the historical things are going on and how they, they fit together. Who is Jehoiakim? Why is this going on? What's happening? Uh, and, and who uh, are all the players in it? So, have been made king of Judah by Pharaoh Necho. Uh, you can look that up in 2 Kings 23:34, And initially submitted to Nebuchadnezzar. But three years later, rebelled. Jehoiakim died and his son Jehoiachin succeeded to the throne. And however, he reigned for only three months. Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem in 598 B.C., took Jehoiachin captive to Babylon, and he replaced Jehoiachin with his uncle, uh, Madaniah, whom re, uh, renamed Zedekiah. Zedekiah also rebelled against the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar's armies besieged the city of Jerusalem and captured Zedekiah. He was brought to Nebuchadnezzar at Ribelah, where Zedekiah's son uh, were slain before his eyes, and he was then blinded, bound, and taken captive to Babylon. The temple was looted and burned, and the city walls were dismantled, and the city was plundered and razed. The leading people of the nation were either killed or taken into captivity. And so now, with that in mind, and the, that kind of a short background, we can jump now into um, where we're at, and you saw what, I read what those were, Thing. And so the king spoke, verse 3, to Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs. Now, it's kind of interesting. We're in, in our own language, eunuchs actually means uh, someone that's been castrated. I, I think that's the way that they, that they look at it. But I went ahead and looked it up because I was kind of interested and, and curious. It can also mean an officer, an officer of the court. So Asphanaz was called a eunuch, but he he could have been an officer. He should be that that he should 
that bring certain of the children of Israel of the king's seed. Okay. The prophecy being fulfilled right here. Now, it's many years down, but remember, this is a royal seed. This is the royal line of Judah, of which Jesus is a part of. So this is, this is the royal line. These kings seed, so they had some royal blood. So he was to get some of these and bring them to Babylon, the king's seed of the princes. So here was, here's, here's who he was to choose. Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in the wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, as such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach learning in the tongue of Chaldeans. So these were quite intelligent young men. And it's very possible that they were right around the 16, 17-year-old age. They were not adults. They were young men. Because what they were going to do was try to incorporate them into the Babylonian uh, way of life, Babylonian mystery religions, Babylonian everything, and become Chaldeans. And so for young people, especially for young people, to see what these young men did, what we will find is faith, courage and determination in the book of Daniel. Because they're going to need courage to live in a society that is totally different from what they live in. Remember, living where they are, hostile to your way of life, can be a very great challenge. And the days may come, young people, us included, where the great living in the society that we live in will become very hostile to what we believe. And so, when we see what Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah go through, because I really do like their Hebrew names. I do not like their their Chaldean names that were given. But that's a part of incorporate them into the society. Brainwash them enough that they become just like the rest of us. Because now they're going to be separate. They're going to be put in a position in which they will not have any support outside of just those that have been brought in. And so now... The learning that they have, the background that they have, the strength that they have, the understanding of God that they have, will all be upon them to live either the perverted Chaldean way or to stand against that in faith, in courage, and in determination to live in the way that they have been taught from their youth. And I think... In every way through the book of Daniel, we see from the time that Daniel is a young man to the time that he is an older man, all of that fits with him. And they are determined not to bow down, not to be a part. And yet, 
in the same instance, they were able to become a part of it and literally bring out their own truth of the way that's true, the, the God of heaven. So we see that. We're going to see that here as we go through this. And I think I'm going to try to, to also bring in some things about the society that we live in today and things that, that I, I'm hoping that maybe uh, will help uh, to bring into perspective how important this particular book is, even for our day. So, they had no blemish, well-favored, skillful in wisdom and cunning, in knowledge and understanding science, and such as the ability in them to stand in the king's palace. So they were very well educated, very knowledgeable, also very, must have been articulate young men. How they found them, I don't know. They must have walked through and, and looked around and said, talk to me and, and find out and look for these, these young men. And the, the king pointed, the king, remember, the king has appointed them a daily proportion of the king's meat, of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these are the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It's very interesting, because Daniel's name means, my judge is God. My judge is God. So here, here Nebuchadnezzar has Esphenaz go by and pick somebody whose name means God is my judge or my, God, my judge is God. So Daniel already has a kind of an edge just because of his name. Uh, Hananiah's name, God has favored. Mishael's name, who is, who is what God is? Who is what God is? And Azariah is Jehovah has helped. Four young men with tremendously interesting names to be brought into the Babylonian, Chaldean religions, thinking, all of those different things. So, to whom the prince of the eunuchs, well, it wasn't the king that did this, but the prince of the eunuchs, and was probably told, this is what you do, you tell them this is, this is their name, this is their new names, all right. We're going, to, we're going to incorporate you into the society. We're going to put you into the society. And the way we do that is we change your name. We, we don't like the, 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 your Hebrew name, so we're going to give you, we're going to give you Babylonian Chaldean names. So he gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, or Shazar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, everybody knows those names pretty well. That's even a song out there and everything else. But they're, I think, personally, I think they probably really when they were by themselves, they would probably call themselves by their Hebrew names and, and, and kept that going uh, so that they would have a, um, a strong 
bond with their background. Okay, so Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested that the prince of the unions, that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your meat and your drink, for why should we see your faces worse like, liking than, uh, than the children which of your sort? Then shall you make, uh, make him endanger my head to the king? So, we find that the first thing they want to do is... Uh, is take away their dietary law. Daniel knew it. He'd been taught since he was a young man about that. He, he grew up understanding Leviticus, 20, Leviticus the 11th chapter, all about the dietary laws. And so how do you, how do you survive in a place that, that we don't know whether it was just because it was all pork or because it was offered to idols? There's not any real explanation there, but it could be either way. And so he did not want to defile himself with what was being offered. I know I brought this up many times, but I have a hard time at work not defiling myself with what's being offered sometimes from our place that provides food for us. They... Um, they're not too good sometimes about what they serve. And so I have to be very, very careful of what I eat. And I sometimes bring my own food because there are certain days I know what they've got. Fish on Friday? Well, it's not clean fish. It's catfish, of course. And uh, let's see, about the middle of the week, it's, uh, it's either Thursday or Tuesday. They definitely have pork chops. So you know, I have to really be... I either have to fast during that day and not have anything, or I have to bring my own food. And so you see the dilemma that Daniel faced. So if he did not want to be a part of that, he had to come up with a way. So, so he says, I, here's what I want to do. He said to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs has said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Prove your servants, I beseech you. Ten days, let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. So, they had vegetables and water. Test us. This is not, a, this is not to become vegetarian, by the way. <laughs> They were in a situation in which they, they had a choice. They could go with what was going on in the society that they, were, that they were captive. They were not willingly there, by the way. They had been brought as captives. And yet God was going to use them in a powerful way through the book of Daniel. You will read how Daniel was used both... Um, in a, in a visual, powerful way, and also in the ability to interpret dreams, and how uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah refused 
to bow down to an idol. And they said, I am not, if we die, that's fine. But we are not going to bow down to this idol. And so for all of us who live in a society that's moving further and further away from Christianity, we have to be willing and able if we still believe in God's word, if we still believe that God has a place for us in his kingdom, to hold on to the scriptures that we understand and not to fail to do that. And there'll be a lot of pressure, especially if things happen in Congress that move it towards this thing called the Equality Act. We will, be, we will really be working very in a very difficult situation, especially if the laws become as difficult as they are in Canada and Europe and different places in the, in, in the world. So we see from this, and, and I, think, I think we can learn from it, that having the courage and determination to stick with what God wants us to be and stick with what God has shown us is a very important thing. And, and also, we will be blessed by doing so. So, prove your sermons, I beseech you. Ten days, let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before you and the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat as you see. Deal with your servants. So he, con he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days their countenances appeared fairer, fatter, and flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. So, there were some that did not go along with what I'm assuming the, the four, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were the four that decided to do this. And there were others that came along that did not go along with that. Did not go along with that. Because that's what it says. They, they appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. So they were eating, they were eating the king's fare. They were really living it up, drinking wine. And they didn't look anywhere near as good as, as Daniel did. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. So their diet from there on was, was that diet. God was blessing them, brethren, making that decision, understanding what they probably would be eating and drinking for an extended period of time, had to have a lot of faith. They had to believe that God was going to be with them. It took courage to stand out and say, all right, after this period of time, you look at us, prove us, see what we look like. And of course, you have to have determination because down through the period of time, you're going to see all these other people eating and drinking and your plate full of vegetables and water. So, we understand that. And we know sometimes we have to make those decisions. Let's say that you might, have, you might be incarcerated for some reason. 
let's hope that it's not for for a bad bad reason. But let's say that something happens and and um, you do something right, and yet you end up behind bars because uh, the law says you can't do that. I mean, you uh, and in biblically you were correct and everything was right. But you suffer because of that. You go in behind bars and they, you don't know what they're going to have back there. So you have, to make, you have to make the decisions to obey God from that beginning. Essentially, you lose all your rights in prison. I mean, you don't have any rights at all. You lose it all. And essentially, that's what happened to, to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They, they lost their rights. And, and so they became prisoners of Babylon, and yet God used them in a powerful, profound way to change, <laughs> the, to change things um, even in this very, very violent man named Nebuchadnezzar. Let's read just a little bit more uh, uh, here. He says, as for these four children, and he uses the word children here, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And that's going to be very important, because he's going to stand out from all the, non, the nonsense called astrologers and whatever else they got, satraps and all the, the, the crazies that are there. We have a tendency to see things differently in the world than others. And so consequently, we have a tendency to stand out too because we see things from the Bible perspective that others don't. Especially those like David mentioned today who are, uh, are atheists and they just can't, they can't understand God's Word. They can't understand the Bible. They can't understand what we understand. Now, the end of the days that the king had said that should bring them in, and then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and all the matters of wisdom and understanding the king inquired of them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers that were in his realm. And Daniel continued even to the first year of King Cyrus. This is, is so profound, in this, even just in this first chapter, to understand the determination that these young men had in their life. The faith that they had in God, directing them, guiding them. There was... Without, they just, they just believed God. They believed that God would be with them. They believed that God would, would, would guide and lead them. And that's the way that we also should believe. That God will guide and lead us. Now one of the things that we see, and I, I, I'm going to start in the second chapter here in a minute. But I wanted to go back, and, I, and one of the things that we see happening right away is the... 
um, how to how to put it. The movement of these young men into that thing by changing their names, by changing, by by making them learn the Chaldean language, by all the different things that they were forced into, and forced to do, and forced to be a part of. So uh, Daniel's name was changed to Belteshazzar, which is Lord of the Straightened Treasure, whatever in the world that means. I'm sure, I'm sure the Chaldeans probably understand every every bit of this, but. Uh, uh, Shadrach's name, or uh, Hananiah's name was Shadrach, royal or the, um, the great scribe. Royal or the great scribe. And that's what these, na- these new names mean. Mishael was then Meshach, guest of a king. Guest of a king. And uh, Azariah's name was Aben, uh, Abednego. Uh, I think it's Abednego because Nego was a god, servant of Nebo, Nebo, Nebo. We find in the society that we live in today that there are certain, I don't know how to put it, certain forces out there are beginning to hijack uh, the English language for their own purposes. And we see that. And exactly what was going on in the Babylonian society. You bring someone in, you change them. Well, we're living in a society where we've had a uh, a, uh, um, what do I want? A history, uh, all kinds of things that we have developed in this nation, and now we have those that are beginning to hijack. that for their own purposes. Gay used to mean being gay, happy. Now it has a different meaning. Glad used to mean I'm glad. I'm I'm, I'm glad to. We even have a song about glad. Well, they've changed the meaning. Pride used to used to have. There was if you were uh, pride proud of something, you have. A great uh, feeling of pride. That's been changed. And of course, I don't know how God feels about it. I'm sure he is not very happy to take the rainbow and put it in something that's not um, godly at all. In fact, something that God abhors. So we see that. And it started, I think, in the Babylonian mystery religions. And we see it down through history. We see it through history. So let's, I have a few minutes, let's pick up chapter 2, and I'll mark it where I, where I end. I'm not going to uh, beat chapter 2 to death here, I'll just mark it where I end. Because I, I think this, this book of Daniel has a tremendous amount for us today. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, where with his spirit was troubled and his sleep broke from him. The king commanded to call the magicians and astrologers and sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams, so they came and stood before the king. So you can see what kind of 
people he had in his cabinet, his whatever you want to call it, all the people that he had. They were magicians. They were astrologers. I've got a little underline under astrologers. They were conjurers. They conjured up things. They were sorcerers. And, they, and the Chaldeans were the show of the king his dream. So um, the mystery religions probably started in Babylon with all of these magicians, astrologers, sorcerers that they had. The king said to them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. And of course, then the spoil of the Chaldeans said to the king um, in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king uh, answered and said to the, the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. You'll not make known to me the dream, or the interpretation thereof. You shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made dunghill. So this is the kind of character Nebuchadnezzar was. He was a very brutal man. He was not at all uh, a nice guy at this particular point. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor and therefore show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered and said, Let the king tell his servants a dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and says, I know of certainty that you would gain the time because you see the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known to me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak and before me till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that you... And it can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man among the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is, no, uh, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things of any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it's a rare thing that the king requires, and there's no other that can show it before the king except the gods. Whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth and the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to uh, Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the, the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and his companions that they would desire mercies of God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed to Daniel in the midnight vision. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might is His. And so with, with that, we see how when God reveals something to us, gives us an understanding, gives us wisdom, we need to give Him thanks for that. We need to thank God 
for the, for the wisdom that he's given through the Bible. Because it does reveal a lot of the, about the societies and things that are going on in the world if we just are willing to, to, to look at the wisdom that's there. And so Daniel prayed and God gave him that understanding. And of course, along with him, and we see that, we have Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, also praying about this. So the four of them were praying to God, gave them wisdom. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings, sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what's in the darkness and in the light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O you God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and made known to me now what we desire of you. For you have now made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. So Daniel was also very wise, very wise in, in keeping the others from getting uh, slaughtered. He could have gone up and said, Kill all the rest of them. I am going to tell him what it is. Now, you can put them all out of whack. But I'm going, to tell it. I'm going to tell him. Well, he didn't. He says, come on, I'm, I'm going to tell the interpretation. So take, take this decree off. Don't, don't do this. Ariok brought Daniel in before the king in haste and said thus to him, I found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king, said, The secret which the king has demanded cannot, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show the king? But, and this is the key, brethren, when you go before kings. This is the key. Daniel wasn't going to go before him and says, well, I come up with this answer. <laughs> this is mine. This, I, I've, I've been able to figure this one out. He says, but there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets, makes known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Your dream and the vision of your head upon your bed are these. As for you, O king, your thoughts came into your mind upon your bed. What should come to pass hereafter and he reveals secrets, makes known to you what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall uh, make known the interpretation of the king and that you might know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, saw and behold a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before you in form of thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, its breast, its arms of silver, its bellies and thighs of brass, its legs of iron, its feet part of iron and part of clay. You saw that, that uh, you saw till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon its feet that were of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together. 
and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became the great mountain and filled the whole earth. What a fantastic prophecy right there. The coming, this, all these great kingdoms, and that's what the interpretation will be. These are kingdoms. But the, the, the fact that they are going to all be destroyed and there is going to be one kingdom over all. A great mountain filled the whole earth. He said, this is the dream. We will tell the interpretation there before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom of power and strength and glory. Whatever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, has he given unto your hand and he has made your ruler over them. You are the head of, that is gold. And after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to you. And another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule on, over the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. For as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all things. And as, as iron that breaks all these shall be shall it break in pieces and bruise. And wherever you saw the feet and the toes part potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it the strength of iron, for as much as you saw the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the, uh, the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And so we... we we come to understand some, some prophetic things about kingdoms to come. And especially about the last kingdoms. That that kingdom is going... The feet were of uh, potter's clay and iron, which, is, which don't mix. They, they don't mix. So, and the toes were miry clay and iron mixed together, and they don't mix. But they shall mingle with themselves and with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And so, in that end time scenario, we'll be looking for these ten kingdoms that, that aren't going to be very compatible, but will come together right there at the end. Looks like I'll be able to finish uh, chapter 2 here and I'll make a note of the next one. We'll really get into Nebuchadnezzar's big head. <laughs> he thinks he's something. God takes care of him. In the days of the king shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. All the way through the Bible, we see this scenario. That God is going to set up His kingdom on the earth, over the other kingdoms, and they will all give obedience to God. For as much as you saw, the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, the broken pieces, the iron, the brass, and the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what shall come pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. And those kingdoms did come to pass. And this was written long before they ever came 
those other kingdoms. When he gave this prophecy, he gave it to Nebuchadnezzar, and the other kingdoms came afterwards, down through the ages. We haven't seen the last. Of course, we haven't seen the stone that has come, but it will happen. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel, commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors to him. And the king answered to Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of of kings and a reveal of secrets, seeing you could reveal the secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts, made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and a chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. And so... The first two chapters, part one of Daniel. Let's hope that we can really come to understand. I know we haven't done a whole lot of prophecy. I'm hoping that I get wise enough. (laughs) I'm hoping that will happen. I'm I'm not always that wise in prophecy, but I'm hoping as I get wise enough and we get back deeper into this, we'll be able to bring out some, especially some of those interesting prophecies, the 70 weeks, the um, chapter 11 with with so much in it um, that has had many different ideas about it. And so um, hopefully those things will come out as we, we expand on the understanding of Daniel.